Welcome to episode three of So You're Gonna Die. Uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about music and how important it is for our spiritual development. If you believe that or not, I've got a couple friends here, Rob and Deirdre, who are actually musicians, uh, real re- musicians, meaning they've actually gotten paid for their work, which has got to be awesome. I think it's pretty awesome. Rob also, by the way, is the first person to realize the title of my podcast, which is so you're gonna die is from the Simpsons, so he figured that out right away. So introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Rob. Hi, I'm Deirdre. And uh, right off the bat, I'm just gonna ask some quick questions, get to know you guys a little bit more for our, our listening audience. Uh, how long do you, would you guys say that mu- music has been an uh, integral part of your lives? Uh, for me, it has been since I was very young. I think I would, when I was like, you know, five years old, I had the Roy Orbison Black and White on VHS. And <laughs> still love those songs. I play them for my daughter all the time. VHS. Yeah, wow, yeah. that is old. <laughs> so I have always been drawn to music and, you know, the experience, like, uh, you know, very emotional response to music from an early age. And, uh, yeah, I've been, I was introduced at a young age to violin lessons pretty formally like weekly classical lessons and prior to that like music is a big part of my definitely my mom's side of the family my grandpa was an irish fiddle player and so did you choose the violin or just because of the family heritage i more fell into it and i have an older sister so she started lessons first and of course as her younger sister i followed close in her footsteps (laughs) my my oldest sister took up the violin and man i'm so happy when she quit yeah, it's not a fun <laughs> instrument if you don't know how to play. No, My parents admitted years later that they questioned their decision in getting us lessons early on. They said it was pretty unbearable. My youngest sister took up the clarinet. Now, that actually was fun, though, actually, because she stuck with it, but which was okay. But, man, she was horrible at the violin. Yeah, it makes that screeching sound, <laughs> yeah. Did you, choo- what, did you choose your instrument, too, or...? I did, yeah. When I was real young, I actually was like trying to make guitars on like a shoebox and rubber bands. Ah. And I, uh, I think Were you I, hanging out at a Mississippi cotton field or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because yes. they did that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I had something that uh, epic and cool, but no. I was just wanted a guitar, and my, uh, you know, my mom got me an acoustic guitar. And, I started taking lessons from this guy at her church when I was probably like seven years old who basically just played basic chords and I took lessons from him for about the next seven years, mm-hmm. you know, learning basic chords. But sure. I was a kid and it was perfect and he was a real patient, nice guy and then I got real crazy for him and then I, you know, I think I started answering another question you did not ask. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. Do you guys think that uh, most musicians that you've met that choose this as a way of life uh, come from a family of musicians? like, Or have you run into somebody that really has just kind of picked this up? Oh, there's Dakota. There's a homeless man walking down the highway right she's outside. Telling, she's telling him she doesn't like him, yeah. She's, she's, she's like, get a job! So do you guys think that you've run into people that uh, really have a foundation within their family of music? Yeah, you see both, I think, yeah. big time. Like, yeah. uh, you have a foundation. I guess not your parents, really, but even your dad plays the, plays the guitar, right? Yeah, my dad was big in the arts in general. Yeah. I think it was something he always wished that he did, so he really made a point of giving that to me. 
you know, teaching me the lessons, basically, helping, helping me, making me stick with it. <laughs> yeah, I think music's uh, been a, a very important part of my life. Um, even though my dad was a horrible dad, uh, he did always play music, and um, so I think you have to have that in you. That's a positive thing you yeah. passed you. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to kind of be raised with that to really <laughs> understand. I think to understand, I, I mean, everybody likes music, but to really, I think, enjoy music to where it's where people I've met in my life that have been, where music's really important to them, that's because it's yeah. it's been that way. No, I think you're right. There's people experience it on different levels. Like, the people that really love it, I think it's, there's nothing else that comes close to comparing to the experience you have when you really are moved by music and that uh, it's, you know, spiritual, religious sure. sort of experience. And that I mean, some people definitely do not experience it. They like a catchy song. They like to sing along, but they don't, I don't know. You know, have you I guys, think everybody. Have you guys had this experience where, um, like, I'll be playing music that I find to be uh, very instrumental to touching my soul, and then somebody will be walking in and they'll hear it and they're like, "Why are you listening to this sad song?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, to me, it's not sad. <laughs> I have my daughter say that to me. I'll sing to her. She goes, she'll be like, "Dad, you're really sad." I'm like. <laughs> But it's not sad to me, you know, when they're like, here's this song, because some of the most beautiful music, especially with the violin, uh, the one music that I like to listen to, uh, you know, a lot of folk, uh, Appalachian, uh, some of their subjects, well, they're not the most uplifting ones, but the voice, uh, the way that the the violin can can be played in that, uh, a steel guitar uh, can bring that whole same feeling to me, too. Uh, there's a musician, Ben Soli, who really plays the cello really well. Kentucky, right? Yeah, and he can yeah. do that same thing for me, and other people will be hearing his music, and for them, they're like, ah, you're going to make me want to commit suicide or some crazy thing like that. And I'm like, this is beautiful. the Because the way that it, I feel, I can feel the emotion, you know, when somebody can hit those notes, and, and it's it kind of like speaks in that, in that way. Yeah, I feel like the, the, you know, what people might... <laughs> interpret as depressing is really just like bringing up these emotions and like it's just it's nice to be able to feel something that just comes from something that's not like inside of you like yeah obviously you're going to feel sad about certain events or things but to be able to just feel something from something that you hear like that's it's not necessarily depressing but it's no. like it's powerful to to have like all these emotions just about a sound I think it's incredibly powerful. I've always found that I feel like I have two different sides to my music interest. And one is the, you know, I love uh, Radiohead and I love like very emotional music. Mm -hmm. And then I like just grooving and like, I don't know, funky, funky's kind of, I feel like doesn't do what I like there. Justice, just saying. Doesn't do justice. Just like a nice groove and like to build and maybe tension and release. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like, uh, dancey music but i feel like those two different worlds are very different and like they can be hard to bring together you know our band we're the dance band and it can be hard to get our feel on that kind of emotion sure like that fill that void and sometimes you can do it but then sometimes you do it and you, everybody's partying and having fun and you just say well god eh, it's time to go get a beer you know and, it's like, and when you lose why'd you it, make me feel <laughs> pretty much I just wanted to dance and not think and feel. Now you made me feel. You yeah. suck. Yeah. I remember feeling awkward because because I play the violin. Like 
you can really milk that emotion and that sadness. Yeah, and, you can. You know, I'd be Certain at instruments can. Family parties, and they're like, "Oh, dear, to play the violin, <laughs> play your grandfather's favorite song," and everybody's having a great time, and all of a sudden, I play this song, and everybody's crying. What's an Irish like fiddle? I mean, like, what happy what Irish fiddle song is there out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think but that's. They want it. You know, yeah, they, sure. They they want to hear it. They want to. That's. It. <laughs> I find though that the people that in my life that. Uh, become very close friends to me always have that same experience though with music you know um, because we have that in common you know you go to show I put I firmly believe I play in a very large musical field of what the types of music that I like because I don't care you know in that regard I'm not looking for a certain type of music um, it's just that experience you know you, you hear a song or you see a musician play and you and they they have that ability to have that experience i've always found too the musicians that i like the most that give me that is because they're actually not trying to play me a song they're just playing a song here's this song you know it's for they're kind of doing it for themselves to get that experience out and how i interpret it is going to be on my on me you know and i've always found that to be more enjoyable too yeah. were you guys raised in a uh religious any religious background because I wasn't and I think that's probably why music was so important to me too because I think it's the most spiritual thing that's happened to me when I was young yeah. um, I was raised Irish Catholic but nope. just in the sense of you know attending church attending Sunday school but I was just, I remember being a skeptic from you know probably five or six I was trying to figure out how logically it did make sense so it was it definitely wasn't a spiritual upbringing for me it was more just a task and I probably found way more spirituality out of playing music and playing with other people than that may have been my only like hook into that sure feeling from a young age but um yeah not really raised I, I always think though that how much music is part of uh religious services no matter what the religion really is though too so it also shows that you know they need that as part of the deal i i was raised my mom took me to church but my dad did not go no and it's this whole family, like I'm from Ohio, and we're and we won't hold here. that against you. <laughs> right. yeah, I can't. I cannot say anything. No. I gotta say something bad about Ohio. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I can't help it. It's like a Tourette's thing. It's like, I don't think it is Tourette's. I think it's the natural response. But whatever. <laughs> I think it's a anyway, you were raised in Ohio. <laughs> you know, my dad. I remember so my dad's side of the family. None of them are church people, like to this day. And uh, well, my mom did take me, so I would. I did go to church. I was like you, Deirdre, was a skeptic from a young age. And I think I did not like the music there. And that was yeah, part of what sure. I, like. I thought it was yeah. so bland, you know. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can go to different churches in Detroit from the same denomination, but if it's from a different neighborhood, you're going to get a different musical experience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> same song, and it's going to be sung much differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for certain. Uh, all right, well, you know, because I was I always wondered about that, though, too, you know, um, just because of how important music is to me in, in, in reaching my soul in the way that that is, uh, you know, do you believe that a, a music can change the world? Because uh, whether it's for a positive or for a negative in it, uh, you know, you, you look at the churches, a lot of times uh, while you look at the a lot of the music was done because the people actually couldn't read, you know, and so they had to learn these songs to get the message across, you know, and 
whether you agreed with the message or not, but that was how they were using it, and they yes. did change the world. Songs served function, yeah, right? and used stories too. The way Still within the <clears throat> the folk music, or even you take it way back, and uh, you know, before so-called civil civilization, you know, the, it was all done before writing again. Song was part of the way to keep the traditions going, mm -hmm. you know. So, do you believe that that still has the the power to do that? Uh, you know, I don't know if I have a strong opinion. I think it does. I think it's a very powerful thing, but I, you know. Has it ever affected your guys' like, lives? I feel like it does in the sense that, you know, if music brings people together, and we're talking about music in the church, I think a lot of people who don't experience music, like maybe play on like a personal level, they, like most people I talk to, love singing in groups of people. Like there's something powerful about singing mm -hmm. and like getting on the same literal wavelength as like everybody that's around you and I know that like in my family there was always a big they would always have big parties and it was all about the music and it was about getting together and singing together everybody had to share a song and um and nowadays you look at like you know big concerts or shows and it's it, it brings people together like it does create community and it you know whether it's church and people just singing together or people all getting together to experience it together. I think, I think, for, I think for a lot of those people, you go to like a festival with a bunch of bands and a bunch of very avid music fans. That is like their, you know, spiritual connection. That is their religious experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of... Is that because you guys are mostly like around, for lack of better terminology on my part, like jam band kind of situations? We are around that a lot. You know, the bluegrass and the, the jam band world are kind of really intertwined, especially in Colorado, it seems like, so. Yeah. We're around that. Even the bluegrass, if you're saying the folk music, that brings people, you know, that is yeah. about passing yeah. down songs over generations and over, stories. Yeah. And then it brings, you know, families and communities together because they're all learning from each sure. other and just spending time together. If you're if you're singing a Woody Guthrie song, chances are he got it from someone else. Yeah. We yeah. just call it Woody Guthrie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do think that, that there's something to around the jam music that that uh, about the people being together in a way that is special, you know. And I think that's what if you're not into that, you just hear it and you're like, God, it sounds horrible. How do people like that? Because you probably don't get the camaraderie that goes with it. Sure. And the experience, a lot of the experience is focused on kind of a one consciousness. You know, that that's that point in the night when everybody, the music and the whole crowd, all syncs up into one. It's a very powerful. I think that is often like. Is that what you guys are shooting for every single time you play? Like you're, we shoot like, you're that place. like you're, Absolutely like you're, like you're hoping that, it. like that's where we're gonna end up. You know, yes, I think it's right. not something that you can manufacture. It's a journey to it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny what you said though, just a few minutes ago about like when somebody played a song for you and they were playing it for themselves, but it touched you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes I struggle with that. I'm like, is the goal to play like to myself and then be able to share that with others, <laughs> or are you playing for them? And like, how do you get the most? Sure. Out of like getting across what you're playing like what's the how long have you guys been writing music i've been writing music my whole life i wrote songs when i was a kid and stuff because i think that's the hard part is like some of the music that's really personal to me i'm certain the musician did not write it for my actual experience <laughs> of what i associate with that yeah. song <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's hard sometimes when I'm listening to them, I'm like, yeah, don't really tell me why you did write this song. You're gonna, right. you're gonna, you know, I don't want to interrupt what's happening between me and the music kind of thing. But then when I do find out in certain musicians that have written songs 
for something very personal in their life and i'm like holy shit you know and then you listen to their song and you're like okay this is pretty rough stuff and you know it's good but it's like man this is like this guy's really pouring it out on this kind of deal so uh i've always just thought that though you know i'm gonna interpret the music from my own ex- experiences yeah. you know any of our music we i'm not very lyrical like no. i kind of my lyrics often don't even make sense but i it's all about kind of an emotional response to the chord changes and the melodies is what I'm about. And actually, my lyrics, I'm, I'm really just lazy. I don't write sure. lyrics. I mean, people that are really lyrical probably just hear about music and are like, what the hell? Are you do, you write the, do you guys write the music first and then the words? Or yeah, do you write the yeah. words and then the music? No, always the music first and the words. And it's all based on just the feel. Like, we could easily be instrumental right now. Have you met the musicians that write the words and then the music? Oh, yeah, we got friends in town that, you know, they love, like, they just love, what, John Prine and that yep. stuff is their absolute bed, you know. We definitely, I know a lot of people like that, and they're really good, and it's just a different response to music, you know. I mm-hmm. just totally moved by, you know, like I said, I love Radiohead, and, like, I don't even listen to what he's saying. His voice is like an instrument. He's, you know, hitting all these different sure. notes, and, like, I just totally listen to the way those. Sometimes, and then once I get to know the lyrics, I'll like them. Out, but yeah. I that's not what usually rarely do I hear a song like oh those lyrics are cool and then I continue to pursue it it's always like a rhythm or a change or just a it's probably know. why I don't like uh, mass produced pop music uh, because I feel no soul in it I feel like you're trying to sell me on a, on a product as opposed to trying to teach me something about my soul <laughs> or for me to have that association that I've had, even again, when I'm listening to a song, when it means something, mean, it means something great to me, but the musician didn't mean that, yeah. you know, but with uh, mass produced pop, I have, it's, it has no, I feel like the chord changes they use are real uncreative and lame. Yeah. A lot of times, cause we play clubs and they're always blaring that stuff sure. while we're setting up and yeah, I'm like, sometimes like when you're at the right place, you hear one of those songs and the bass is hitting, I'm like, that's kind of cool, but, and in general, I think I'm the same as you. I think it's, uh, I have a hard time connecting to most of that stuff. I don't even need to know, uh, you know, there's some of the music that I'll listen to, because uh, I, I kind of grew up a little bit in the when the industrial music was starting out, too, and, uh, and some of those lyrics and stuff. I mean, you can't even really understand what the hell they're talking about, and I don't even care. You know, it doesn't even have to actually make sense, because if it's hitting that certain... Uh, you know, well, industrial music was definitely hitting the anger part for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mean like Nine Inch Nails? Nine Inch Nails and, uh, you know, down those, down those lines. But, yeah, and, and I'll still to this day, you know, uh, if, I'm, if I'm listening to something like that, because it, it's kind of weird uh, nowadays where you can just put on like Apple Music and hit shuffle and you can go through 100,000 different songs at the same time and you can go from like a Bob Dylan to a Nine Inch Nails and sometimes, but I can shift gears like that for me. It's not like I have to be in like in a certain headspace for that. Yeah. If you're writing music, do you have to not listen to music? Do you have to not listen to it like as you write the song? You mean like in that moment? If you're writing music, can you listen to other people's music? Or you or, or is that process where it's just like this is the focus? Now I don't have this experience, so I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question. Like, you know, if you're writing a song and you're just writing the music or the lyrics, 
do you want all other stimulant gone from other people's experiences with their music or do you you know because i've i've heard it both ways from guys and and uh you know where they're like yeah i'm in the middle of writing we're writing this album or whatever it is and this is it i can't listen to anything else oh gotcha no i don't get like that at all and i'm I'm honestly. Does that sound sad? Yeah. I do write songs, but songwriting is not something I had figured out. I feel mm-hmm. like I have barely <clears throat> delved into the songwriting journey. I probably like. How many people are in your band? There's five of us. So there, there was four of us for four years, and we added a mandolin player about a year ago. So. Oh, those mandolin players. Yeah. Uh, so when you guys are in the process of writing a song and somebody has written the song and even the lyrics, is that just, it, it, that's not the finished product that's brought to the band. It's like, then everybody puts an input. Is that how it goes or is it just We usually more- take them out and play them live and we see where it's kind of lagging. And we you know, honestly, in this band, I haven't really written songs just based on what I like. I've kind of written songs based on what works for us, like live in a live scenario, yeah. you know. Because we like to improvise, so I, you know, I find that with this band, the more written out songs often are kind of limiting. You're playing sure. five times, we're burnt out on it. And if we keep them kind of simple and leave room for us to let the night take its course, sure. then, then that's uh, so. There's no, it's on. not like concrete. Then here's your song. We're gonna go play it, and you're gonna let that spirit take over as you're playing it yeah. and wherever it goes. There'll be parts How long does it take concrete. you guys to get to that point, though? with musicians like i would think it would be trust to get to the point of like improvising and sure stuff. to where I like mean, it's it's a never-ending journey i feel like i was we were talking the other day about how we don't trust each other enough and that's the next step we have to take because we have parts where we play it safe to keep so nobody gets out and i'm like we, <laughs> we've been playing together long enough i think we need to trust each other more so that that's why i love improvi- improvisational music live because i think it's uh it's the journey, you know, you never get there. You're always sure. trying, and you always hit roadblocks, and it, you can sp- I can spin out really hard while doing it, trying to get to that place. It can be very frustrating, but... Now, does it depend upon the instrument, though? Does the violin make that harder or easier to do within that, that I, structure? I think it took me a while to get out of my, like, classical box, per se, and then over years of, like, learning how to play with the band, now I feel like if I'm... The more experimental I am and the less worried I am about what's going to come out, like the better it usually comes out. So you would think almost all violin players start out with the classical mode? Not necessarily. Some people will start in like bluegrass, and they really definitely develop like a certain mm-hmm. style from that. And I used to wish that I was more of a bluegrass player, and now I kind of found this middle road, and I'm really glad that I ended up playing <coughs> she, that. She, she really has her own style, and she yep. has like an octave pedal and an organ pedal that simulates an organ. And wow. She, you know, I know people that are amazing fiddle players, but you go to play kind of rocky, bluesy stuff, and they don't know how to break sure. out of their it's hard yeah she is so good at that she just like adds things that are very i guess kind of dark and grindy and i don't know minory do you guys find then that as you're playing uh a different type of music uh where you do have to go to those boundaries uh because i for again i'm i'm running off the the theory here that music is a spiritual event because i believe that whether it's true or not i don't really give a shit um because I believe it, and it's my podcast, so we'll do what we do. Yeah. And um, that can be a fact. In yeah, it's going to be a fact. By the way, even if you completely disagree and your experience is wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> For this particular podcast, 
Uh, so when you're having to do that and you're finding that you're having to go to these places with your music in a live event even, uh, is it because if you find yourself internally not doing well, is it a harder experience or do you find that it, that it can get you there? Like, and it can be for lack of better terminology on my part, again, therapy. It can be, I think. We were talking about it this morning. There's so many factors. We were just... Because yep. we kind of had a rough weekend, honestly, playing. We played in Pueblo, which is a mistake. You should never go play music in Pueblo. <laughs> like, like, you should do anything in Pueblo, really. I mean... No, it was just I a, think what you're supposed to do in Pueblo is heroin from <laughs> reading the headlines. It was like a country bar. <laughs> that or line dancing. We, we shouldn't have been there. They just aren't good. Heroin and line dancing. What a fun evening. <laughs> I can't think of how big of a cowboy hat I'll have if I had ever was ever doing that. Anyway, <laughs> so... Back to the original question, <laughs> if we can remember it. <laughs> what was it? it was, uh, you're, how you're feeling <clears throat> internally, right? Yeah, and like if, if you're feeling internally, and then you're on, and because it sounds like too, like your guys' live experience. I'm sure practice, 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 and more practice. But uh, when you're in that live experience, that's where I'm getting the sense that you guys are really finding that joy that music is bringing to you. Yeah, there is. And. Uh, uh, spiritually, it's a very visual podcast. Everyone, as I'm pointing to my chest, it's an incredibly visual podcast. Yeah. Anyway, so you're getting that experience, um, and then I, I'm believing that it's a spiritual experience too. Uh, you know, so how does that happen? You know, because it's got. All right, we screwed this one up because I don't know how to use all my technology. Hey, but they're playing in the background. So I don't know when this episode actually cut out. We talked for a while and you don't actually get to hear it because it wasn't recording, but it was fantastic. Life-changing, you'll never know. All right, welcome to episode... Keep playing, I don't okay. uh, Welcome to episode 3.10 because episode three didn't record all the way through of So You're Gonna Die. Back here with Rob Deidre again. If you listen to uh, episode three, you got 25 minutes into it and went, This is awesome. I'm going to learn so much. And then it quit out because I was recording with my iPhone. And I don't know how to do that. Take a phone call at the same time. So we're going to try again. Uh, this time they have instruments, which we're going to see. How, it's probably going to go better. I might just let them play. Dakota is asleep listening to their music. It's the first time she's ever heard a violin. That's pretty impressive in its own right. Uh, as you guys are playing, what would you like to talk about now? I mean, we might be all talked out. I don't know. Oh, we have plenty, plenty of talking in us. What's this? Uh, what's a what's a big thing now? Let's see. I'm trying to. I think what we were talking about before. Yeah, what did we talk about on that second half we got into? Well, we talked for like at least an hour, if not more, <laughs> after what we got, yeah. which was a lot of good stuff. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the last thing we were talking about, only because I'm not trying to mine the same information that we already talked about, was. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to say is, uh, sure. is 
on this podcast. I think it's fun that all the parallels that me and her, as we go through this journey in AA, draw between the music and the AA life when you're trying to be sober and you're trying to, uh, <clears throat> you know, what would they call it? Live in the sunlight of the spirit, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, it's very similar to music. You know how it's the kind of thing where mm-hmm. when you're getting sober and doing AA and trying to help other people every time you think you get a handle on it it kind of slips away every time you think you got it it's like oh wait it's music our life playing music is a lot like that you know like expectations are the enemy every time we go into something and we think like oh it's gonna rock look at the you know we get in our heads and we make a mess out of it and don't enjoy it and kind of every time we get to a point where we just give up and we're like fuck it then we end up having a great night and being totally free and enjoying everything we play, and it's that. Yeah, definitely. So the most valuable thing I've learned about playing like live performances is to go in with as low or little expectation as possible for the outcome of it, whether it be how I'm going to play or how people are going to react to it, which is go in with, like, just expect. If you expect nothing from it, it always, always turns out better. <laughs> and uh, that's just a life in general, too, so... Um, yeah. yeah, expectations are a killer. <laughs> and if you think they're low enough, just take them a little bit lower, and then you're probably good. <laughs> now, not, not everybody who's listening to this podcast is actually in this anonymous program that we're talking about, <laughs> although I have spoken about it in my other episodes. Uh, so you're going to hear some of that now, which I don't care anybody talks about. Gotcha. I don't give a crap. Um, that's why the other ones I'm like, because uh, it's really hard for me to talk about my life uh, without having to talk about the fact that I'm sober because it was a life-changing event. For me personally, it was the event that actually opened up my own spirit. Up until then, about the only thing that ever touched my spirit was music, and it was a very uh, a, a negative thing, actually. I, I know it was for me because um, I firmly believe that we're all spiritual beings, so uh, no matter how you go about getting that uh, fed, I don't care. Um, and uh, for myself, my own uh, alcoholism definitely a spiritual malady um, which I did not know and uh, and so when I would listen to good music and it would hurt at times when I was in that headspace without having to have any sort of spiritual work on myself now I can it's a totally different event um, definitely it's that way so anybody who's listening to this and maybe not be able to relate to some of the things we're going to talk about it's good for you actually it's a good thing if you can't actually relate to <laughs> yeah. so, I wish I couldn't either <laughs> these roads and also talk about how it's helping us in our journey uh and you don't relate to it well you should be very thankful (laughs) and the ones that are going hey i can relate to this but i don't know about this a thing you might want to check it out (laughs) (laughs) that's a good indicator (laughs) because if you do relate to us when we talk about some of these things well yeah we're the only ones that do in that regard um so yeah, definitely. Uh, how obviously then you guys have spent a lot of your time making music uh, without a sober idea. When I say sober too, what we're going to talk about here in very general terms, I'm not talking about just. Uh, and again, if it's if it's anybody who has a problem with the drugs and alcohol in their lives, uh, when I say sober, I'm not talking about just like physical sober because there's big distinction with that when i say sober i'm saying 
uh, I'm not just physically under the alcohol and drugs anymore, but I'm also, my spirit is also sober too, to where I'm now able to take that in. And hopefully that makes sense again to anybody who's listening to this. So you guys have obviously spent time making music not sober. Oh, yeah. And then you have to make music sober. That has to be a terrifying experience, and I would believe that because me just waking up sober was a terrifying experience, much less having to make music. So what was that anxiety about? And did you find out that it was a, a simple process? That's still not a simple process. That's like, music is the one wild card in sobriety. That's like, no matter how much your life sucked when you're out there ripping it up, like, playing music could be really fun, drinking and doing drugs. Sure. You know, and that will never change. I don't think anything will ever change that. Like, I don't think there's, that's just a fact, you know. And it's it's, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. I mean. It could have been on the recording that we didn't record when when I was talking about, like, classical music and I had a very closed mind about that. Until I experienced it live. So maybe yeah. it does change in that regard. But anyway, what were we saying, Deidre? I have mixed feelings about it only because I know, like, I have certain physical limitations, like, with the extent that I would take drinking. And so, like, sometimes that, like, the obsession that I would deal with while on stage where, like, I'd really rather just be drinking, but I know I can't drink as much as I want because if I do, then I'm not going to be able to move my hands as quickly as I need to move them, and I'm not going to remember where we're at in the song. And so it was kind of a struggle trying to find that balance, and I, you really can't ever find it because you're either unhappy about not being able to let out one way or not, you know, not... I just couldn't find that balance. Now, um, now take that to the next step, though, when you... Uh, no pun intended. Uh, then when you hit the stage sober, I was, was it, was it a scary event? It was very scary anticipating it. And then like, like, um, do you feel like, this time could around, you perform now? I feel like I absolutely can. Yeah. I feel like the clarity of it and it's more being able to like, you know, I still have a rough time sometimes, but being able to le- learning how to get in an okay mindset, um, just takes you to, takes me to a whole different level where I can stay where I'm at and open my mind and be able to like still be able to enjoy it and it's not like it's still kind of a struggle and I you know what the hardest part about playing music is is you and being sober is that you see people only when they're on the good part of their using you know what I mean you see them at their best point in it not if I was in the audience using trust me I mean whatever the outside looked like it wasn't the good side trust me even even with people you're right yeah Even even with people you play with though, you sure. if they're doing stuff, you see them when they're at when they're high, yeah. and they're drinking and they're drunk and feeling great, and then we go back to our place, and then we don't go through them the next day when they wake up and like have a splitting headache. We don't see that, so I think that's that's one of the things that is a little. Uh, I, I'm kind of wise to it now, but well, when I first got sober and did it, I constantly was like, God, look how much fun that it was. Really, you know, I drank my whole life when I played. Sure. I mean, I had. To me, like, I did not pick up a guitar in public without getting a beer at least, you know, even if I wasn't here. I mean, I always had something. And to watch people, you can watch people relax. You can watch them as they drink, and you can watch them just totally, their guard drop down. And then there's obviously a whole other side to that, but it's real easy to hone in on just that. See that and be like, ooh, that looks nice. I want me some Well, it's one of the few industries where you can be in it and 
actively drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It's kind of like being a professional or, yeah. bowler or something. Well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Let's not discount the professional. You are from Ohio, though. Even <laughs> think about bowling professionally. But um, it's like a sport. It's a sport you can like toss back a few beers and still be an athlete. <laughs> a sport. He's still calling it. <laughs> it's like with a lot of the arts though like there's this certain amount of like respect that like you know writers or musicians or artists get for like their struggle and their struggle with and like people think that like the drugs and alcohol add so much to to what they do and it may seem like it does but then you see a lot of like sober like you know really successful musicians and they're doing it so you know that there's definitely a stigma attached though it's like it like it you know this the struggle and the pain and the addiction adds to like whatever they're doing i don't think well because there is such a uh, because i'm a firm believer when it comes to addiction you either have it or you don't kind of deal like so uh so i think there's like this all or nothing proposition that are in our minds whether again somebody who doesn't have it touched them so they they have no idea what's going on with somebody who has it and then me who has it, I think the people who don't have it are having the same experience as me, and they're not, you know. And so, uh, and I think that's uh, a hard hurdle to get through no matter what we do in life, you know, because, again, I'm going to look out and I'm going to see people uh, that, I, well, I've never had the experience just because I'm a freak in the fact that uh, I've don't watch like when i'm at a show per se and there's people that are around drinking and 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 especially here in colorado they're smoking pot like crazy in these shows more than i've ever seen my entire life and uh and yet i've never seen me (laughs) you know where i I, where i look out and what they're doing me personally just because of the style of, of of alcoholic that i am uh i'm like yeah they're they're not out of control in any way, shape, or form. Like, why are they even doing it? Is in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I like. So I've never had like that viewpoint to where I look out and I see this happen and go, they're having fun. To me, they're not having fun because <laughs> they're too controlled. Because, they're not yeah, just because like... for them, they've had their amount, whatever their amount is, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and for me, there's no amount that's enough. So. Uh, but I have seen, though, a lot of people throughout the years that I've listened to, no matter what they're doing, when they see other people out in society uh, having their amount, uh, and they think that, boy, I wish I could do that, you know, yeah. and that would be, that's their, that's how it tricks them. I feel like we see a lot of pretty questionable, I mean, people go pretty hard, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to I never sit here and think, oh, that person needs help or whatever. I really, sure. I really don't spend my time thinking about that. But people go pretty. I would say like there is a lot of more than just your moderate. Like they're not just having a couple. And like okay, yeah. I feel good. I mean, their time went on and they're they're getting high and they're yeah. they're partiers, you know. And yeah. that that's always for me been a blurry line because I, you know, it's almost like when you go to some meetings or maybe like when I've been in legal trouble and had to sit through like group sessions or whatever to get out of trouble. Like they tell you like normal people have a few drinks and stop. And then there's the addict who does a bunch. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I've known my whole life people that go really freaking hard 
but are they addicts? I don't know. That's kind of up for debate. It's kind of, they kind of yeah, live in, them. it's I'm not, sure. I, I've never seen, yeah, to me, it's like I always hear people talking, there's two different sides of people, but to me, what I've seen is incredibly gray and incredibly hard to decipher, you know? And I think that's what's so hard about uh, alcoholism and addiction, though, is because obviously anybody that's ever seen me drink or, or drug, and there's no such thing as social drug use, so obviously if you see me do that, you know I'm in trouble. But uh, obviously people have seen it, and, and the things that I've done when I've done it, drunk or high, people are like, oh, my God, and terrified. But to me, it was a Tuesday. It wasn't, and so that's what's so hard about it. It was obviously I never should have ever done it. I should have stopped from day one, but I wasn't going to do that until yeah. it became personally a hell personal only to me. And I think that's what's so hard about it is when I see other people uh, going through uh, their process of addiction, the ones that are in it, but to them it's not a problem, then there's nothing that can be done, which is so sad, but just the way that it is. I bring that up because uh, we were talking in the other podcast that didn't make the recording about also comedians and how hard that process, and I think that's another part of the industry where I know a lot of people that are uh, either are in recovery being a comedian or need to be in recovery being a comedian. <laughs> And uh, a really uh, funny comedian just killed himself a couple days ago. Brody Stevens was his name. And anybody that doesn't know his work should look himself up on uh, YouTube. But he also did a lot of writing for a lot of uh, really good shows. So you probably have already been exposed to uh, Brody Stevens. And for him, it was the mental illness depression thing, though, too. And Which I is a very common thing in comedians, isn't it? Yeah. And I also think for people with artistic uh, leanings, too. You know, which we did talk about in episode one, which I'm apparently going to have to say a lot during this particular episode. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make the recording. <laughs> um, have a little button that says it for us. <laughs> and, you know, so I think also, too, when you guys are, uh, that music and the artistic uh, viewpoint, we can feel a little bit more for, again, lack of terminology on my part. Not saying that you're extra special in that, but... Uh, you find that that also hits you on the stage, like more an, a stronger emotional connection. And well, now again, uh, again, some of my listeners are not going to relate to it, and you're lucky if you don't. Uh, you know, you're newly sober, and you're having to play an instrument that you've done not sober your entire life in front of people. And if you're newly sober, you're probably depressed. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, I've not met you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that experience uh, harder, like to go through that process? Did you find that experience harder? Yeah, at times I think I did. It's been, you know, I've had. Has the depression even been a problem? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I absolutely, especially in early sobriety. That for me, like, you know, what I come off of, there's a withdrawal period you know and usually once i get through physical withdrawals that's like the the second phase of that is like a kind of ongoing lack you lack of pleasure i think because you're have been a lot of your people, the chemistry of your brain needs to rebuild itself a lot of people so I've heard though too, like if it's not just the depression it's the anxiety also is really harsh which i didn't actually experience i experienced the depression when i first got sober but uh but i but i see the anxiety be just as crippling yeah you feel that anxiety I have a lot of, definitely had a lot of issues with the anxiety with it. And, um, 
I kind of had a roundabout experience with between trying to be sober and playing music, and I never really played regularly in a band until um, after I had just tried to stop drinking on my own. And uh, so when I started playing with the band I play with now, um, the bassist had actually fired me from the last band because I was a total wreck. And then he called me a couple years later, and I had tried to stop in my own accord. And when I started playing with these guys, I was super, now I realize, I was super robotic. I was go getting through my life, and I was, you know, struggling a little bit personally, but just trying to stay not drinking. And uh, I remember when I started playing, something, like, happened, and it tapped into me, like, emotionally. And, like, something about playing music, like it just cracked something in me and I because I hadn't really played with people I hadn't played loud and live like that before and um and I kind of went on like a little downward spiral for a while and then uh started kind of went back and then now come full circle years later like um trying to clean up this time and uh but doing it the right way and doing it with a program and learning tools and it's been huge because the anxiety being on stage, being in front of people can be like absolutely crippling, like for me. Sure. And so like being able to just, you know, take a deep breath, like learning tools like that. And like, I can tell if I've been like staying close to what I need to be doing every day by like my level of anxiety. And like, I can go out and, you know, take five minutes to myself and close my eyes and meditate like if I'm really having a hard time. So like, as far as playing live and getting that anxiety, like, I don't really know how else I would handle that if I hadn't learned some of these tools i feel like you hear anybody who's like newly sober like in social issues and sure. anxiety is a very common thing right yeah just going to like the meetings and stuff and feeling at one with people i feel like going out to bars and playing it's like it's definitely you experience a lot of that because people are drinking and they're just so loose and it just draws you know yeah. you're already in this introspective you're already self-obsessed and thinking yeah. about your shit all the time and now it makes you feel like you have an even bigger stick up your ass and you're like yeah. you know did, did your addictions ever try to sell you on the idea at the end or at any at any stage to where not to get sober because you wouldn't be able to play music that's I wouldn't say not that I won't get to play music, but for me, like a big one is like the psychedelic experience while playing. Like I definitely have a hard time picturing like so I'm not going to experience that anymore. Uh -huh. Like with music, like yeah, that's hard to picture, you know, because that can be amidst all the turmoil in my life. Sometimes, you know, we're amidst like that yeah. that experience, and like it's just amazing. Like you just, I feel like we transcend to another plane of existence while we're playing mm -hmm. and a lot of it's fake though you know i mean a lot of it's sure. just in my head and my yeah. and that's one thing i learned about getting sober like maybe i don't experience my own music as great but <laughs> but my out my output is more solid I can <laughs> Like when I first got sober too, there was a guy who was like, "Well, you know, peyote's about you know spirituality and all that kind of stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, but you're not supposed to take it 24 seven." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was about spirituality yeah. that one time, yeah. you know, and then you yeah. take it every yeah, day. You're for... supposed to like be in a in a sweat lodge for a while, and then only for a very about short amount of time, not like you know to go to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a Tuesday night. <laughs> it was kind of like what you were saying. Like I just try to keep. You know, whatever everybody else is doing, I have to, like, really try to not worry about that because that's not, 
Like, I don't function like them. I don't function like that. And if I wanted yeah. to, it's like, you know, th these couple hours look great and it would be fun to do it. But like the, the rest of my life just would fall mean, apart. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, and then, in, you know, in the long run, that, what I enjoy doing would fall apart too. So it's like, I, I really do try to keep that in check that like they can enjoy it and let them enjoy it. But like, that's just, I know that I, you know, that's not a good thing. You know, and it's been different for me every time because I had six months, my first solid amount of sobriety uh, while playing in this band about three years ago. Then I went out for a bit. Then I had nine months, which is the longest I've ever had. And then it took me about a year and a half to get back in. And now I'm coming on two months. And both those first two times were very different. The very first time was the time where, I mean, I would, people would put shots at my feet and my body would have a physical reaction. I would want it so bad. I could like feel it. I was like, oh! And my bass player, luckily, is my Man, buddy. He I should have. I should have been in a band. What was I thinking? <laughs> my buddy would kick him over for me, and uh, I was so thankful yeah. for that. He'd just knock it over, uh, and it'd spill. I'd, I'd start a fight. I'd start a fight. I would <laughs> well, I was not drinking. I would get on a stage and fight him. No, if I had given you the shot. Oh yeah, it over. right, right. Yeah. Now I have to fight him. Luckily, luckily, the person giving me the shot's probably off. You know, <laughs> he, he didn't know what's going on, so it's all good. It wasn't me. That's why. <laughs> but that time, I spent so much of the time. Or both those first two times, I feel like this is where I'm at now, which I'm thankful for. I feel like I spent so much time just being like, oh, look at that drink, and oh, look at that, just like indulging that a little too hard, you know, because it's in your face. Especially when we play weddings, you know, they make drinking look very attractive there. They These nice cocktails, like, come out on these trays, and they're handed out everywhere, and it's like, oh, this is this rum that came from so-and-so mixed with this perfect, you know, I have blah, not blah. been to the right weddings either, man. <laughs> That's true, right? That's got, true. Like, I mean, there are times where we're playing a cut. Like, I feel like I'm having a, a standoff with like the bar that's like. Yeah, we're we're like, like all right. Playing. We're just playing, and the bar is staring at us, and I'm staring at the bar, and uh -huh. you just. I don't know. But you know, you, you there's a wedding going on in between, is what you're trying to tell me. There are people so, yeah. There's a wedding. There's a wedding celebration going on in between. I, yeah. I oh yeah. Friend, that, my aunt told me that like, the thing. first time I stopped, she was like, "Well." You know, you'll notice now, like when you're not drinking, then you go to these weddings and you're like, there's really only like 5% of the people who sure, that's what do I'm what you did. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to go to these weddings and see like just half drink yeah. drinks all over the place. And when you're sober, you see that. Or you're drinking, you don't see that's that. That's what I'm saying. When I've and gone now, to concerts, you, I rarely see me there. You know, yeah, I rarely do. Yeah. And I, I see a, a bunch of other people and I'm like, what a bunch of freaks. Exactly. You know? And there's those like two people and you notice them. You but, know? And I'm like, that was me. Yeah. But those two people think everybody's like on that. Yeah, they, they were all, yeah, we're all exactly. doing the same thing. It's crazy. Now, that was definitely me. I remember being at my buddy's <laughs> wedding like, oh God, what did I, what did I do at that fucking wedding? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some... Well, nowadays they're all recorded on our yeah. phones. So we'll right. find out. <laughs> so you'll find out soon. Yeah. yeah. I always say I'm so grateful I got sober before smartphones. Otherwise, I'd probably be in prison from the uh, nice quality video HD on YouTube. Like, no, I didn't do that. They're like, I yeah, zoom in a little closer. Oh, yep, you here, sure here did. You are being downloaded to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for you. It's one. Yeah, it's one thing to wake up the next day and try to remember what happened. It's another thing to get up and have to watch and. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, and so again, though, because uh, we've kind of gone down this road, which we weren't doing in the first episode, which was fantastic that nobody got to hear. About <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I firmly believe, though, recovery, uh, I think, in a, in a lot of different, even recovery from cancer uh, nowadays, like 
was the first time that I was given chemo was in 1975. Now I was five years old, but uh, uh, right up until the 90s, they didn't care about my spiritual condition with cancer. It was only straightforward medical, uh, get it done, you know. And then uh, even with that, a lot of it being pediatric, even that has changed in, in uh Children's hospitals, there's whole sections of the hospital now in a pediatric ward where no medical procedure can be done in that in that section. You get to be a kid there because it's good for the soul kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and so I've seen that kind of progress. And I think uh, even when it comes down to addiction then, though, too, I think spirituality of some sort, I don't care what it is, has to happen because of the spiritual condition. And so music, I think, is really, really important with that again. Uh, you guys are lucky to be musicians in the fact that I'm assuming you play every day uh, to some degree or another, you know. Uh, is there been days where you haven't been able to play and have you felt that? I've had a lot of days where I don't play because from working in the day and going to, going to meetings and stuff. But even against that, you know, if I feel like I need music, I listen to it. And yeah. So listening is uh, going to get that done. Actually, a lot of my playing I do during the week is like exercises to stay warmed up for the weekend. I, yeah. would, say, I would say I get more of my fill listening to music during the week. I think so, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I, I even like save my song. You know, for me, if I listen to a song too many times, it's not going to have the same effect. So I have songs I really love that I won't listen to even sometimes when I want to, and I save it for a time when I really need them, you know. Yeah. Even if it's not like an emotional turmoil, maybe it's like when I'm on an airplane or something and I just need to like, you sure. know, just get through an hour just for like my sanity kind of thing, you know, I'll like listen to a song I love and that'll just make the time just time kind of disappears, you know, it's got that effect. I notice sometimes like even though I play a lot, like with a group that uh, sometimes I miss, I'm missing out on playing just for myself. And so, like, there's definitely something special about that. Like, when I can sit down during the week and just play, like, what I want to play for me. And that's, like, it's, like, soothing. And it feels really good. And it's not it's not something I can play with anybody else. And that's, like, that is definitely, like, special to me and, like, important to me. Do you feel if you haven't had that experience? Like, if you have moments where you can't listen to music? Like, man, I, I feel, thank God I'm not in a prison. But what if you were in a place where you couldn't be around music on a yeah. daily basis? Well, I know sometimes, like, we'll go to a restaurant, and you walk in, and there's there's no music playing, and it's, like, just painful. Yeah. And he'll throw, he'll take his phone out on the table. And yeah, I'll, like, I'll play music on my phone, yeah. Good. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. you do, you feel that. Or, like, in the morning, like, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and my alarm goes off, I go in, and I throw on, like, that Casper baby pants that we were talking about. Mm. And I just... In that just, first episode that nobody got to listen to, that was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. Maybe one of the best Sorry, podcasts I'm gonna, ever. I'm going to drag that horse to death. It's going to be great. It's only going to make me happy. On this, on this episode, it'll only make me happy. I'm the award-winning podcast that doesn't <laughs> yeah. get here. Yeah, it was a Hall of Fame podcast. Yeah, I mean, really, great. we really got in some good stuff right yeah. after the 25-minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of so so to there, man. Yeah, and then we nailed it. I mean... It was pretty special. So anyway, so then in the morning. Yeah, I threw that on and it's like, for a while I wasn't doing that. And there's something about like just waking up in the morning and having to go through the morning grind that is like so different and light and feels so different when you just have like music going, you know? And like, you can tell the kids feel it. I feel it. It's just, yeah, music can like completely change 
how is it like, how is it being musicians with children that you both have and they're young so that's good very impressionable uh to let them find their own musical avenue or are you just not going to let them like there's no way i'm gonna let them like we you we know, really put down justin timberlake in the first episode again <laughs> i would not put my child through that like why would i want to do that to that child it's it's hard because they have their friends that they listen to music with and they have their movies they hear songs in like i, I always thought okay if i have a kid my kid's only gonna listen to Led zeppelin and pink floyd and you know and then i'm the exact opposite because she loves she loves uh pop music and once i my daughter sings like she can remember words better than me it's really amazes me how well she can uh, we sing should, along and stuff you we know? should listen to kids far more than we yeah there's anything I've ever learned about little kids since, by the way, since I've been sober before then, I didn't want to have anywhere a kid near me at all. <laughs> right. You know, jabbering away about whatever. But man, the way they think is beautiful. Yeah. They have no filter about the joy that is happening to them at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And total honesty, too. Yeah. yeah there's yeah, no, yeah. They can, I'm like, oh, I have crushed that part of me somewhere. Somehow, yes. And I wish I still had it. Yes, yeah, is everybody. <laughs> That's what that Super Tramp song Logical's about, isn't it? When I was young, it seemed that life was so bad. And he's like, then they sent me away. <laughs> That's a great... But well, the, some uh, of us got sent away for other reasons. <laughs> right. You know, I found that I... Uh, so are you just, filtering their music? You know, I don't... F on your own. Like, um, yeah, they're going to listen to their, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants music, whatever that's going to well, be. Well, the thing is that pop, they have Justin Timberlake in that's, the movies. Uh, so, no, I don't I don't not filter it, but, like, she actually showed me the Casper Baby Pants thing, and I got her going on that, and that uh, has sparked... I, I haven't filtered. I haven't tried to get her to not like what she likes, because that's what the experience changed me. Sure. Once I, like, even though if it's a song I hate, seeing her sing a song at two years old along with it, it's hard to, like, shit on that parade. Yeah. You know, you feel differently about it once it's yeah, actually you got, Well, you gotta clap that, but then you have to yeah. show them something else, though. Like, but I have got her going. Do you, do you fight that urge, or do you, like, no, that's fantastic, dear. Now also listen to this. I just let it, but yeah, I don't like, you know, my way of introducing it to her is playing, <laughs> is playing for her. And actually, uh, you know, I told you my first favorite was Roy Orbison, and I played this song that, uh, it's called In Dreams. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh -huh. The Roy Orbison song, I play that for her for a nap, and she loves that song. She sings along with it all the time, and I got her going on a, my daughter's name's Peggy, and there's a Grateful Dead song called Peggy-O, and I got her singing that, and it's, the song goes, Will you marry me, pretty Peggy-O? It's an old folk song. Sure. And then she has these Which I put down in the first episode, yeah. The Grateful Dead, which will upset some people. I don't yeah. care. I hold firm on The Grateful Dead. Way overrated. Well, I would argue that all day long. I think, I think that... No, I went to Deadhead shows for the drugs. Yeah, right. <laughs> They just happened to be a band play a lot. It seemed a lot like they were just sound checking most of the time, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where probably went even together. <laughs> I, I baited you on that one. You yeah, didn't yeah. Take it. I'm not you taking it. Did not take it. That's okay. It's a, to me, it has the same kind of thing as when you talk. He's about, gonna take it now. When you, when you talk, here's where I reel him in. When you had gr when you had grunge come out and it's a little sloppier and a little more raw, but it was yeah. authentic. That's kind of that's true. That that, that's true. the charm to it. Like if you watch the dead documentary, the guy starts out saying he's like 
If you're, not, if you're not a deadhead, it's incredibly hard to get into it. However, if you take away any sort of convention well, that we thing, stick though. to, here's the thing, pop- for I guess perspective, uh, when I was two and a half months sober in treatment, Jerry Garcia died in treatment. So, oh. <laughs> so the Grateful Dead I heard <laughs> were probably not doing well. Some of them on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and even so, I never got into like all of the like uh, tapes that everybody had back in the day because I'm old of all the different uh, shows way back in the day that yeah. were all like the Grateful Dead shows that everybody. Well, I think the fact that they had so many bad shows is a testament to how honest what they did was because yeah. they could have put together a package that they brought out every night and was way tighter and way better, yeah. but they did not do that. And that's why they had the cult following they had is because they played 100% honestly and never tried to recreate yeah. And so that that to me is what yeah, I, I, I like it for. I know. liked it because they did a lot because I could trip my head off and nobody really cared so much at that particular. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to but, be mad at somebody for tripping. But I was a little violent though. I was a little too violent for a Grateful Dead show yeah. too. So it's probably why I didn't like it either because I kind of stuck out a little bit. After a while, I would you know, all right, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another misconception about them too, is the that the happy floaty hippie. I think like they had Hell's Angels around there all through the seventies, and it was a, they did not the ones I went to though. By that yeah, time, that had been eliminated. been cleaned up. Yeah, that had been eliminated. I think that's another thing I like. And about. the suburban hippie was really annoying, by the way. They really were. Let's yeah, just yeah. let's just be honest. You know, anybody that <laughs> like, that that kind of like grew up in the in the suburbs and then wanted to come tell me about oppression. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had, a hard, I had a hard time listening to them <laughs> when I was tripping. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah, well, anytime somebody's gonna give you their like uh, their life, their, boy, uh, we've gone down the Grateful hmm. Dead rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. man, our last podcast is better. Right now. Should we start over? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because this is gonna upset so many of my friends that are Grateful Dead. Oh, do you have a lot of friends that are Grateful Dead fans? That'll just really only humor me, and so I'm so happy that it's been recorded. I will post this even if you say not to. I'm a Grateful Dead fan, but I definitely don't get offended when people, like, don't like it, and I totally understand it. When I listen to it, I'm like, I'm surprised. Would you get offended? Like, I've been putting down Jester Timberlake, but I'm not offended by, really, people that, you know, I'm not offended. If somebody doesn't like my music, I'm not offended by it. Like, why would you get offended? You know, I guess with you, honestly, I would never get offended, but I, (laughs) here's what, because I will play the cancel card on you and make you feel like shit. (laughs) And then I would uh, regret my offense real quick. No, I honestly, with with somebody like you who's passionate about music, I guess part of me feels like if you, uh, if you had a proper introduction to it, you would probably then like it would be different. That's like, how I like feel about it Like we said in the yeah. first one about classical music. Very close-minded yeah, yeah. I was about, and still can be about it, you know. But if I'm live in that situation, it's a completely different event. You can feel why classical music, for me personally, is so powerful then, you know, when you're feeling that musician do it. Whereas when I listen to it on the radio, it's a completely different deal, and so I never experienced the dead shows that were the classic dead shows. I experienced the very end of the dead, and I was at the very end of being dead myself. <laughs> kind of like... So it was a really so what a shocker! It wasn't a positive event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like my introduction to them was like it was a time and a place, like late high school, and people that I like loved introduced me to it, and then 
like I've picked through and listened to sure. what I wanted to listen to, and and I, I definitely there is a lot that I hear that I'm like, oh god. Yeah, no. I mean the singing oh, no. can be <laughs> also. I was, but there's so much. Great I was two stuff and a half there. months sober in an institution when Jerry Garcia died in treatment, where there was some deadheads that I was in treatment with and had to put up with that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. like, yeah, so what he died, lucky bastard. <laughs> they're like, they're lighting candles and crying. <laughs> How come I'm not dead in treatment? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's also that. It's all in the lens that you're looking through. <laughs> <laughs> all right, somehow try to segue off the Grateful Dead. Right. <laughs> uh, what the hell are we even talking about when we were talking about? We were doing a Grateful Dead podcast. <laughs> I don't know. We were talking about our kids and if we try to direct their musical yeah. attention. <laughs> we took that to a Grateful <laughs> Dead rant. <laughs> oh yeah, I was playing. I, I was telling you the song, the Dead song I played for my daughter. It's Peggy, right? Yeah. yeah, I yeah. love that song. Though. And then, so, that was the first song that I got her to like and sing along, and she would ask me, like, hey, play Peggy-O, play Peggy-O. And so, for me, like, when you ask about, like, do we, like, try to, you know, force their music tape if they listen yeah. to something bad, like, that's, so that's the best that. way to do it. When, for me, when I, it's like fishing, when I get her, you know, it's like I got one, when I get her loving a song and asking for it that I like, I'm like, yes. Will, cool. will you make them play instruments, or? Have you made them play instruments, or were you just like, all right, here's what we do, you know, like, as a natural progression? Yeah, I am. I started my six-year-old on piano lessons, and I've kind of... I think, um, I'm in the in that school of thought that you shouldn't, not make kids, but you should introduce them that it's cool to go, like, this is what you, this is what we do as human beings, yeah. as opposed to... I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm going to make him do something i haven't decided whether i'm going to make him stick to one instrument at a time or give him the choice because it's like our drummer for instance he said his parents just he had to take something he could Mm -hmm. choose whatever it was and switch whenever he wanted i kind of feel like you should at least have them like not master it but like a discipline get a a really good grasp on it before they can switch to a different instrument but i do think just as a what's the right instrument to start out on Ideally, it seems like piano is it the best like for... A, it seems like it's a lot of people who even don't even play the piano but write their music on the piano first. That's not yeah. their instrument. Of, yeah. Know, it seems to be like the best functional uh, layout to like visually see music and comprehend it. You know, which is... I think about, my only argument would be like a stringed instrument. Sometimes it's beneficial to start like really young just because there's something memory. about the bow and like the way you play yeah. it that can be like... Just a little too much to grasp, like if you get into your teens. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's some awesome sure. players who start in their teens, but um, I've I've definitely seen like the helps a lot to start young. What about like, what about with technology nowadays, where there's so much, uh, like on I mean I'm I'm if there wasn't for these iPads that we're doing this podcast on, well, I wouldn't be doing this podcast, you know, for that kind of. But also on my iPad, there's a lot of apps that I can. Uh, just do electronic music on with really no real discipline for music let's put it that way you know to where i have to pick up a guitar or i have to learn a piano you know i have to learn that kind of stuff like it's hard not to see it as a threat to like real like instrument played music Mm -hmm. but it's like i've seen some really good shows of people who are just mixing on a computer in front of me yeah you know, I but, like electronic music. Yeah, I, I listen to it, it just, regularly. But, but they have to be really good at it. Like yeah. I've also don't agree with uh, the whole like uh, uh, EDM movement. <laughs> I think it's not music. Oh, it's, it's the same beat for five hours. <laughs> yeah. See, even even that, 
even that stuff though i i respect for what it does even like when i, I mean know. people are jumping around having a good time don't get me wrong but i'm yeah. like yeah this isn't like electronic music to me yeah per se. like uh there's a i'm gonna say there's a difference between a musician and a dj let's put it that way if that makes any sense I think in the middle ground, like, it's pretty amazing that we have these, you know, like, if, if you come up with an idea for a song, you can just record it real quick so that you don't lose that idea, and, like, you can, sure. you can layer stuff, like, as you're writing it, you know, and and even if you are, like, a live musician, it's a lot easier to put, like, a concept together or put a song together that way, whereas you think back to, like, you know, Beethoven sitting there, and he's just got, you know, <laughs> he's got, like, ten stacks on his paper and all these ideas, like, it's just... It's mad making. Yeah. But now, like, it's it's cool. And also, a lot of times you think of an idea, and it sounds great. And if you don't write it down or record it, you go to sleep, you wake up, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Like, you're yeah. not getting that. Does it haunt you? We use that. Haunt you? No, because we get out voice recorder yeah. on our phone and hit record and play the idea. There it is. So you do it's that throughout the day. All the time, yes. That's awesome. Or when there's, there's, like, little yeah. nuances, like, just the time, like, the really tiny difference mm-hmm. in timing of something. And, like, once you lose it, you're not getting it back. But if you record it, you'll, you know, yeah. and sometimes you have to refer to it, you know, for weeks on end because you just can't remember how you did it. And so it's kind of insane to think people used to have to, like, just have these concepts and somehow. And do it. And, like, moment, unless you yeah. can read sheet music and write it out and, like, nope. There's whole albums now that I listen to where a guy is making the music all on his iPhone, like, uh, all these different instruments he's like putting right through there and uh, putting it all together in the song and the whole album's just like done right there in his in front of him where I mean people were doing before with like four tracks and stuff like that but yeah. still yeah. though I mean it's a different event though where like they're getting it all down on that right there and sending it out see yeah. I think that's cool too because for somebody like me like I can play the violin and that's great but I can barely get by on the guitar. I really don't understand chords or and so or like how to just play that in live. So, so, so it's hard so to make an can, idea become yeah. yeah. Like it's a really hard. Idea. But with like the technology there is, like if I just sat down and put a little bit of time into learning GarageBand, I know enough about music that like I could actually come up with like an idea and like a you know come up with a song. And I feel like with people who maybe didn't have the opportunity to have like formal lessons, like maybe we did, that like that's still an option my, for them. My too. only worry is like because you're because especially your children's generation is going to be so much more in tune with the computer in any way shape or form uh than a violin you know are we going to miss out are we going to get away from these instruments because they're too antiquated seems like we have to a certain degree i mean when people want to go out and dance and party like that's all they need is a speaker player and music. Well, back in the day, you would have needed musicians to yeah. make that music. So, yeah. But but then I I I don't know. It's like you just have to have faith that people will recognize how cool it is yeah. to play an instrument. Music will you know? still be music. Yeah. You know, down the road. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting to me uh, to think about that progression because the last thing I would want to see lost is is that experience of musicians getting around physically having to pick up an instrument yeah and, and play it you know yeah uh, I, w- I just i just hope we would never lose that memory as a yeah i feel like there's so much just to instruments themselves too like just each instrument just has its own voice and soul and like it's cool to like just hear you know the tones that different people get out of it because it's mm-hmm. not no two are alike I, yeah you know you, you do lose so much of that when it's just like a digitally recorded something you know. So when you find that instrument, then uh, that gets that sound that you want, 
that just personal to your own ear, then that's a special event in its own right. Like you found a huge gift that day. I think so. I mean, I think it can be. On the uh, what you were saying about like keeping mu- playing music on instruments alive through time, you know, mm-hmm. I uh, I think there's always like gonna be people that love instruments and keep it alive and i i, I just want to say i've thought about that so many times in my life you know it's just like a, it's a fear really sure. seeing like wow is this gonna just totally take over you know like yeah because you can make music on a computer and uh i i just say i hope it does and something like there always be people that are into it keeping it alive i guess it's really you have to keep things alive on a larger scale though like take like when I lived in Austin, like blues, like you have all these people that are really passionate about playing blues, but most of the people into it are the people playing it. Maybe that's not totally right, but it's, that's what it seemed like from my perspective Yeah, is that, yeah, these people are into it, but without like a large group of people that want to just hear it and just enjoy it, it's kind of like, what is it? I don't know. It's It's, well, I mean, it kind of took like the British invasion to show blues to America. Yeah, right. It was <laughs> that wasn't living nose. in Mississippi or or Texas, you know, or yeah. or even in Chicago or Detroit at that time. In certain neighborhoods of those cities, even you know, so it took that to realize, oh wow, they're pretty much playing back to us some of the great blues that they were being, you know, being exposed to. Yeah. Uh, you know, I also have also thought though too, it's just kind of down the same idea. Uh, I'm always worried that we're going to lose libraries because of technology too. Like soon people won't have an actual book in their hand right kindles you know, like, and whatever like kids already less books in libraries, like kids yeah like kids won't be able to go to a library and pick up a book you know granted again like i don't actually have a book i have them all on my phone or ipad <laughs> i have whole libraries <laughs> on that you know so i mean there's also a good thing to where we can like stick this thing in you a know, tan and have like all of this literature at their yeah. hands though too but there's something to be said about holding a book yeah you know as opposed to you know turning on ibooks yeah with that i can remember being really little and like if i had to decide between a few books i would like smell them for some reason like the smell of a book could totally sell me a library was a safe place for me as a kid though too like to go to a library was a some communities a library is a safe place that they can be within their community like walking out on the streets a dangerous thing you know, we're losing that kind of thing, though, too. Yeah, libraries, like, can be a refuge, absolutely. I guess, so the, yeah, in books, however, if you get an e-book, like, you're still reading the same content. Yeah, At least getting, that's one advantage, like, you're still... Yeah, you're going to get all, I mean, I'm all for the fact and technology, you know, it's just, yeah. be, it's just sad to me to think that, why then would we need libraries? And, and I think a library is an important part of a community. Uh, just like I think music's an important part of the community. I think as communities, we should do outdoor concerts. We should let local musicians play locally. And, and you know, I don't mind tax dollars going towards that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, but because there's so, so much more about uh, that than just having the physical book, if that makes any sense. But, you know, it's probably an incredibly liberal idea. You know, but I find that the communities that I've enjoyed the most that I've lived in are ones that have a strong sense of music in it, you know, that uh, you can go out and, 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 and they use their parks, their city parks, you know, in the summertime yeah. and stuff. You know, they put on shows and stuff like that. And Colorado Springs is good about that. Yeah. 
I would think, think it's about like getting people who are all of the same community in the same place because that's just not like that most of a common thing anymore. I don't know if it used to be. I mean, maybe in like churches and stuff you do, but a lot of these like, like cities you go to, they you go to their city parks and there's big gazebos that nobody are using. Yeah. They used it for a reason back in the day, you know, for that. Yeah. Uh, but then the communities that I really enjoy are the ones that are still using that gazebo for you know on the summertime. Since I've been in Colorado Springs, unfortunately, physically, cancer has really limited me, so I've missed out on that experience. Like, I personally love the city of Seattle because of the strong sense of community within the different areas of Seattle. You know, people use their city parks for those reasons. You know, so I've missed that. So I'm glad to hear in Colorado Springs that that event can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we do a lot of events. Like, we definitely get hired for... Because the kids get to see an actual instrument being played. Yeah. yeah. And if nothing else, sometimes they'll have, like, activities for the kids, and they're just running around, but they're experiencing it, and they are, like, you know, they get to be there on their own level and, like, have fun and hear it, like, at those park concert series and stuff. Was it a different experience for you guys growing up being musicians from a young age that we all learned about in episode one that we didn't get to hear anymore? Um, <laughs> I agree, That, uh... Yeah, episode, episode, well, episode three, for, this is episode three, one A, or whatever it is, but uh, episode three was just a Hall of Fame episode that only we got to enjoy, but uh, did you guys feel a difference, you got to, you heard music, but then was it a different experience when you actually saw music being played in front of you, it was like, is that was like, this is what I'm going to do. I can remember definitely seeing just like as a kid, yeah, catching people. I'm playing. talking live music. Too. Yeah, like yeah. In your face, not something you yes. saw. Like you were like you heard music and that made a difference on me too. But when I saw somebody play music, yeah, I was like stopped and was like eyes wide, you know, just like totally entranced by it. Absolutely. Sure. To see it that be done live, yeah. Yeah. And it, I don't think it really mattered what they were playing. Just the fact that they had instruments. Yeah. And were plugged in loud and playing, and people were listening. I was just like yeah you know the, yes. the, the lofty bells were ringing it was oh that's it <laughs> i feel like i was raised uh like i said like with a lot of irish music and like it was definitely like a family deal and like people would and then uh, i did irish dancing growing up too from a young age and so <laughs> a little river dance <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> and so uh so a lot of is that, that actually like, the music that the way that they dance in river dance not to get off of, we don't want to go down a river dance <laughs> the rabbit, rabbit hole dance i have some serious opinions about um, river dance very strong opinions on river dance i did have some strong opinions about river dance and it came out because it was pretty like it wasn't quite as traditional as like you know yeah I don't as think we were it, yeah, doing no, like the arm yeah thing, traditional like, that's what i'm saying yeah. river dancing it wasn't and the music was a little more like innovative yeah. but like i was raised like in the real traditional you know sense that that was you know, she didn't do that corny river dance yeah, yeah, crap, it wasn't river dance. let well, me interpret this well, well, the worst thing is that i've been dancing the river dance guy michael flat yeah it wasn't any of that no well, I've been doing it. The worst thing is Long like, I've been hippie dancing. guy that was doing it. it was, that was their hippie <laughs> stage of Irish music. Well, and then it was cool. So, like, I've been, like, rolling it out for 10 years. I don't, think, it, fun I don't think it's ever been cool. And then, well, but then all of a sudden, people are like, oh, so you do river dance? And I'm like, no, I don't do river dance. I do Irish dance. <laughs> no. 
And every time you say it, they're like, oh, like well, River Dance. Yeah, right? like River Dance. <laughs> Don't ever go to a Scottish festival with me because I enjoy all that. And, you know, Scottish all, is a little it's, different. It's, it's, well, yeah. well, it's still, though, the, the traditional folk dance kind of stuff. I'm yeah. like, all for that. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's not River Dance. No, River Dance was definitely like. Term cashing in on culture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. It was, whoever, guess, like, it, it was whoever was producing that guy again, whatever his name was. That guy made some money off of Michael it. Michael Flatley. Yeah. That's oh yeah. The guy. Oh yeah. 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 Um. So anyway, so you were experienced <laughs> oh, that er- early. You so know. to me, like I remember music just being a like just a part of the party, and I don't think I was ever that like entranced by it. It wasn't anything like I was never like I'm gonna be. A musician it was yeah. just like as far as like live music went like out and about it was more like it was like this like community kind of irish thing and it was like it was something to dance to it was like they and they would you know it was like the storytelling songs like the irish folk songs which is why like i'm so sad that, super cool. that music's not in our public school system as much because i wanted to i want the experience i've had with music my entire life is i want kids to have that same experience you know as human beings growing up to where it's part of the community. It's like, you don't have to have it passionately to where you become the musician, but to have that experience, like, I can do that, you know? Yeah. That's good for me to do. That, I have that thing with my kids, because my kids are kind of, they're trying to understand that when I say I'm going to play, but I'm also going to work, they can't differentiate, like, the fact that we call mu- playing music is playing, but it's really, like, I'm considering it work. Yeah. So, uh, so when I started my son with piano lessons, he'd be like, well, you know, I want to be a paleontologist, or uh, he calls it a sharkinologist, which is sure. really an, o- an oceanographer. Trump probably does, too. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but in his thing is he keeps thinking that, like, I'm making him take lessons so that it's work, so that it's something he's going to do for a living. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've had to drill it's it like into him. like a kid taking his kid. Go do the plumbing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fine. Like, he thinks I'm like... <laughs> There's a crescent wrench. Yeah. <laughs> probably rather be learning plumbing because he sees that as like a more manly career but like but i basically was just trying to tell him like no this is for you like this is absolutely for you like you never have to do this for anybody that 20 sweatshirts you you have to knit by nine (laughs) o'clock yeah that's called a malaysian day unfortunately there's kids that actually are doing that which is sad yeah yeah well you know i felt that way though too because uh that's why i asked the question because i'm curious uh, you know, I, I, I've taught Little League before, and there's parents who think that that Little League game is World Series Game 7 for their kid. <laughs> mm. You know, like, they're putting a lot of pressure on that child to do that. Yeah. And I wonder, as musicians, you know, you know, is that also the same way? And it doesn't sound like it's actually been brought up that way in your guys' lives. Like, this was, like, you would have to do this, you know, and be good at it. And, and so, uh, but I would have a hard time, though, uh, not... I mean, I would have a hard time just because there's there's music that I just don't like about the... I find it soulless. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to, uh, you know... I want to, like, eliminate that from their lives, but you just can't. You no. Know, yeah, you just can't do no. And they might find some soul in things you can't find soul in, too, so it's, sure. it's hard to say. Like, uh, yeah. You know, with the sport music comparison, one thing I see there is with sports is more scientific. Like, sports, there's no doubt about what's good or not. Like, you hit the home run, that's good. You get out, that's bad. Yeah, but, you know, music is a little more... That's uh, true, but, but even in that regard, though, you know, especially if you're, like, uh, trying to be a coach in these youth leagues, 
is you're trying to teach the kids being part of a team is important. Yes, absolutely. So you don't have to have like, yeah, I'm not. I know you're not going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, you're having a hard time tying your shoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I want you to know you're a vital part of this team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I got to convey that. But then you've got you know the parent over here that thinks that their kid is the next Hall of Famer, and that you're just put you know this other kid in when it should be this kid's playing time. Yeah, I guess in that sense. And kind of, that kind of a bit. But you, That's but you're right though. At the end of the day, though. This is good and this is bad. Whereas there's music that I'm, I know that there's music that I listen to that people are like, why are you wasting your time? Or, or also in the sense of when you're young and trying to do it with sports, it's like there's a clear picture of what it is you need to do. That's well, true. with music, that Very might not well be as clear. Yeah. Line. Well, in music, that's not necessarily the case. And really, for a lot of music, the most important thing is that you feel it, you know, that you yeah. are emotionally on forward with what you're doing kind of i think maybe that's not true with like some of the if you're more in a rigid classical environment but i guess with the music I, no, maybe I mean, it is maybe music. i'm not saying it's not i'm just saying i don't, I don't know yeah. that world so i can't speak for that but. i think there is but a lot of that to it because but i mean cl classical music generally you're playing you know you're playing written classical music like it's been composed however like that emotion is written into it and you're supposed to like it's yeah. Like all the dynamics, play with the tenderness like it's, so, it it's so specifically yeah. written in the crescendos and the you know where it builds and where it comes down. Like that's all written in there for you, and you're supposed to give it all that you can, like and follow their guidelines. And so you really can instill it with emotion. It's just kind of pre-written emotion. But if you like, go off of that of that that script, add a little bit, you're like, <laughs> what happens? You know? Yeah. yeah I mean, if you go off of that script, uh, the it's, problem it's I guess time is to, it. it's time to stone them. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You're gonna get electrocuted if you hit that B flat. I got it hooked up. Yeah. And then it becomes music from the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you could, don't you think you could compare the classical approach to like a sport more where like this is what you're doing, like here's the objective wall. Like kind of growing up, like if you're just trying to write songs and do that, there's not much of a, it's pretty, it's a pretty yeah, loose set of rules. I don't, you have, know? A, I don't have a good enough ear for that because yeah. I've heard the same music, especially in classical world where you, you hear the same music being played by different people and one person's like a master yeah. <laughs> and the other ones are like, eh. and I'm like, I heard the same thing. But, it, th but then when you see it live, though, I couldn't. I think it's like they're all masters then because it's. I believe it's because of what you're talking about, which I never thought about before, is they're all playing their part and they're all trying to give their all at that very moment for that note that's their job to do in the whole entire s scheme of the song or the, of the composed thing. Mm -hmm. I, and, uh, but I've also found, although I do like a lot of instrumental music, and I'm just going to lump classical music in that. But I really do need to hear, hear a voice a lot of times, you know. There's some musicians that, uh, uh, Explosions in the Sky, for instance, is a band that is nothing but instrumental and it's fake. All right, I just figured out that I can only record in our segments. So that's why it is now cutting out as when we are. Rob and Deidre are playing me out. Which won't be devil music. So join me next time for episode four. Well, I'll have this all figured out. I, I won't have it all figured out. <laughs>